listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Hey, I told you guys that that was going to be stuck in your head, and I'm dead right, am I not? Uh, good morning. My name is Joe Bevilacqua. I'm the lead pastor here at New Chapel. Hey, take out your little weekly. We want to take notes today because we believe God is going to speak to us. And uh, if you have your Bibles, open with me to John's Gospel, chapter 17. We are on a journey toward purpose, aren't we? Made for More has been since the beginning of October. We're now we're in the first week of November. And we've been talking about God's great purpose for our lives because a life without purpose is pointless. That's my belief. From my study of the word, I can see it so clear. Now, do you want to say this? Uh, this week, today, we're going to be talking about the last of the five purposes. And next week, everybody say next week. Next week, we're going to be putting it all together because uh, there is a general purpose on every Christian, but there is a specific purpose for your life. And what I want to do is next week give you some of the tools to identify what that is, not just give you a generic thing, but give you a specific thing. And so next week, we're going to be putting a bow on this whole series, and that includes we're going to be celebrating some of the stories. You haven't heard about some of the stories of life change and some of the behind-the-scenes baptisms and the testimonies that have been coming in. We're going to be sharing some of those, and we're going to be casting some vision for the future about what God has for New Chapel in the next calendar year. It's going to be pretty exciting altogether. You, you, you miss half your life if you miss next week, and so uh, make sure that you're here for that. But the first week of the series, we talked about purpose. We opened up the idea that your life without it is pointless. And then in the, the following weeks, we talked about the number one purpose for your life is your plan for God's pleasure for worship, and that would be the operative word there. The second purpose for your life is that you're formed for God's family, that God died. He sent Jesus to die to build something, and it was his church. He's trying to build fellowship. The third purpose is that we're created to become like Jesus Christ. Pastor Brian brought that message about discipleship, about growing to become more like Jesus. And then last week, we said that we're shaped for serving God, that you were made for ministry. And today, write this down. You have five purposes for your life. Write it down. The fifth one is this. It is to be on mission, doing something that makes an eternal difference. You want to be on mission. God has a mission for your life. He's called you to do something. He's called you to make a difference. But it's not just like make a difference, make waves in the world. It is to make an eternal difference. And it's something that is massive. If you miss this, you miss the whole thing. So you're made for mission. Uh, so Jesus is praying. He's praying to God. When he prayed, it wasn't just like him barking at God. He heard from God. He'd speak to God. He'd ask questions. God would answer him. He had a dynamic conversation I'm going to show you a little window into that, into St. John uh, chapter 17. These are the words of Jesus. He's praying. He says, in the same way, he's praying to his father, that you gave me a mission in the world. I'm giving them a mission in the world. And then it says this in John 20 and verse 21, as the father has sent me. So, so, so in se uh, chapter 17, he's formulating this with God. Uh, uh, chapter 20, he's now speaking this to the disciples. He says, as the father has sent me, like in the same way as, right, I'm sending you. I've got a plan for you. In the same way that I was sent to go make a difference, an eternal difference, you're being sent in that same way. 
Well, where are we sent, Pastor Joe? What are we supposed to be doing? So glad y'all asked. Y'all set me up so good in these messages. I'm just telling you. Acts 20 and verse 24, let me read it for you. The Bible says that the most important thing, what is it? That you complete your mission. The work that the Lord Jesus gave to you to tell people the good news about God's grace. It is the mission. It's the most important thing in your life. And there's a disconnect, even in the room right now as I say it. You know why? It's an unfelt need. Nobody wakes up feeling this, but at the same time, it is a need. It is pulling at your heart. It is the fifth purpose, uh, and there's only five, by the way. The fifth, it is the crown of the purposes on your life of why God has you on earth. Say amen, somebody. Well, Pastor Joe, isn't the church big enough? I'm never going to need a bigger room to preach in. I don't need a louder microphone. I'm good. Now, do I believe those things are coming? Sure, absolutely. If anything of what God has shown me is, is going to come to pass, for sure, but I don't need it. And it's and, and even more important, I would say this. It's not about that. That's not the currency we're dealing with about building my little kingdom. That's not what's happening. The reason why we need to tell people about God's good, uh, the good news about God's good grace in their life is for this reason. Hell is a reality. Heaven is a reality. It would be criminal if I had the cure for cancer and I just kept it within my little family and didn't share it with anybody else. Well, I just like to keep my medicine secrets private. You know, like, like you see what I'm saying? It'd be criminal. And how much more important is the good news about Jesus? Amen, somebody? So when we have God's purposes active in our life, here's what's going to happen. In the life of a Christian, if, if his purpose is active, there's going to be some production value. There's going to be, it's, the Bible word is fruitfulness. And let me show it to you. Proverbs thir, uh, 11 and verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So not fruitful, so fruit, fruitfulness, production value, tree of life. So in other words, when you're doing this, if you're in right standing with God, righteousness, right? If you're doing this, it's going to be very life-giving for you. It's going to be something that is growing. And, and here's what it is. He who wins souls is wise. So the, the production value that we're looking for is found as you are being a person who's part of a, a larger group of people, the church for sure, and as an individual who's taking time to share that good news. And, and I love how it pairs it with wisdom. He who wins souls is wise. Now that is both saying like, hey, if you're winning souls, you're wise, like as a compliment or, or kind of calling it as it is. But it's also trying to say this, that he who wins souls, you're going to have to be wise. You're going to have to use some wisdom in approach. You're going to have to think about how you're going to do this if you're going to have that fruit active in your life and ultimately have this great fulfillment, this life-giving focus in your walk with Jesus. Colossians 4, the Bible says this, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. So like the people who don't know Jesus personally, when you're out and about, it's the reason why we don't go buck wild in charisma on a Sunday morning is because we need to be wise in the way that we deal with outsiders. We have specific instruction on that. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everybody. So we know we've got the right answer, at least... I don't know about you, but I know I'm right. And, and, and so, but the Bible's telling you to season it, to, to put some lorries on that thing, to season it up a little bit, to, to make it so it's palatable for the world. And friend, that's going to take 
wisdom. Can I hear an amen, somebody? So I'm going to give you three uh, big ideas today underneath each one of these three points. Welcome to Pastor Joe's world. There's three sub points underneath every single one of them. And so take notes today. Number one, jot this down. We need to look for moments. How do we make this eternal difference? How do we live our lives on mission? You need to look for moments, moments, moments. So God is at work. Uh, it's amazing to me. There's like seven, almost eight billion people on this planet. And what God is doing is he's trying to work through intersections. Uh, the church word, not the Bible word, it actually doesn't appear this way in the Bible, though it's a Bible topic, is divine appointment. In other words, a relationship that you, you connect with somebody and it's God. God's trying to work something together. Sometimes it's with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Somebody, sometimes it's with somebody who might be able to unlock a door for you in your career or life or, or give you a piece of wisdom. But the picture is that God is trying to build his kingdom, and he's trying to do it relationally. And so we have to look for moments. And these encounters that God brings into our life, sometimes you just walk past people, okay? Not everything is spiritual, but, but sometimes you're walking past people, or, or you have a server at a restaurant, or uh, you're a cubicle mate with somebody else, or you, you go to school with somebody who sits next to you, and it's a setup. God is trying to put this person in your life for a reason at that moment. Let me show it to you out of the book of Psalms 37. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And then it says this in Proverbs 16 and verse 9. It says, we should make plans. Like, don't hesitate to do it. But you need to count on God that he's directing us. You see that? So, so you don't, need to be, you don't need to be looking at every single person in your life being like, this is all a setup. I mean, that'll get in your head, and all of a sudden, you'll be making posts on Facebook saying that you're in the matrix or something. That's a lot. That's, that's not what we're trying to say. What we're trying to convey is this. Some of them are. And so I remember, uh, for instance, when the Perrys came to church, I remember taking uh, Aaron out for coffee, went to the Starbucks, and we're sitting there, and I'm just like, keep talking, because... I feel drawn to you guys as a couple. I feel drawn to you, Aaron, and I feel like it's a setup. Do you remember that conversation? Where it's like, I have become, in my walk with God, a little bit, I don't know how to put it, maybe um, curious of relationships. Like, God, why is this person here? Why are they saying, and I'm, I, while they're talking, I, I want to listen to what they're saying. But I'm also looking at them, trying to be like, God, is this something you're trying to do? What are you doing around me right now, God? Why is this person saying this? Are you trying to, and, and again, don't go nuts with this. You don't want to, don't go nuts with this. But, but you do want to listen because God is trying to bring people into your life, some of which you can make a difference, some of which they can make a difference in your life. Amen, somebody? And so what if you became a person who uh, became a little bit more intentional about this? So write this down. If you want to look for moments, become intentional in relationships. Write this down. Become intentional. So you go out for lunch today, or you're going out for dinner later on. What if when you're going out and you're picking the restaurant, you started to think like, okay, God, my server, I'm going to be a blessing to that server. Can we just have a little time out in church for a minute? If they're working, right? I mean, like serious. So they're all not great. Customer service is not dying. It's dead, Okay. Those that resurrect customer service, people come from miles around to see the miracle. I just tell you, business people. But, but if they're working, Hosanna. I mean, we have somebody who's here. And, and I'm tired of looking at empty restaurants. They're like, well, we just don't have a table available. I'm like, the devil's a liar. You know? And so, so when you're there, what if you thought when I go to that restaurant that that server that comes, 
What if it's a setup? What if they're going through something? What if they need me to say something? What if, what if they're awful and I still need to bless them? I mean, that's a cross. Uh, anybody? Like, just, you were the worst, you know? And they're just talking about themselves the whole time. You're just looking at them, though, and you're like, but by the grace of God, I was like that once. And you start saying, God, what's the setup? How can I be intentional with these things? Uh, next thing, write this one down. You need to find their spiritual spot, and that's for lack of better terms, truly. You need to find, here's what I mean by it. Find that area that they're most sensitive about. So some people, I mean, they're, they're going through things with business or they're, they're looking for promotion, but most people, it's really a relational thing. It's their marriage, it's their kids. And so if you just start talking to them and listening to them, you'll find that they'll start to speak to you about those things. And, and here's the pressure. You've got this great mission from God, and you feel like you're supposed to go out into the wild and just interrupt every person and start talking to them about Jesus and start an argument with them. And be, and be like, well, I'm going to prove he's right. you know. And especially with our camp, you're a little bit more of a conservative group, and so you're right. I get it. Don't yell at me. And, and, and so uh, I love that about us. But at the same time, sometimes we get into these interactions and you start fighting with people. God has never asked you to fight with them. Well, what if they start asking me deep theological questions? Okay, you don't need to know the answer about how Moses and, and, and all the children of Israel, how they went through the desert for 40 years. You don't need to, you don't need to talk about how Noah done fit all those animals on that ark. I don't know about it. You know? I mean, you don't have to explain the four horsemen of the apocalypse in detail. You can just listen to them. You can talk to them about their life, and you can open your eyes to what they might be going through. Uh, so this next week, uh, I wanted to be a big blessing, and I'm a very generous person, very generous. And so I brought uh, Pastor Brian and I. I want to take them out to eat. It's a very nice place. So we went to Sam's Club, uh, <laughs> to the cafe there, and... Uh, I love those hot dogs. I don't like burping it for the next three hours of my life, but I like those hot dogs and those pizzas, and it's cheap food, everybody. I'm, I'm half Dutch. And so, uh, so I took them out, and as we were going into Sam's Club, I noticed the lady who was checking everybody in, and she just looked emotional. And so uh, she couldn't even really muster up, like, show me your card, which is like a huge deal for them at Sam's Club. Like, back off. I don't want to show you my card. I'm a member here. But anyway, she could hardly get it out. And so I went up next to her, and I put my arm on her back, put my hand on her back. I said, are you okay? And she goes, she starts crying. Just, no, no, I'm not. And she's getting choked up. And I know what it's like if you're so emotional, you just can't. And I said, listen, you're working. And I didn't mean, I didn't mean to cause any trouble. I'm a Christian. I don't know if that means anything to you. I'm going to go over here. You can see me, okay? I'm going to walk over here, and I'm going to pray for you for 30 seconds. You need to know that somebody's praying for you, okay? I love you. I'm for you. God's for you. She's okay. You know, and I walk over there, say my quick little prayer, and then I went and bought tube steak in Jesus' name. But, but, but here's the idea. <laughs> Open your eyes. Get off your phone. <laughs> I don't know. I need to start putting that on the board every single week, like, get off your phone, <laughs> you know? But open your eyes. There's people who are going through stuff all around you, and all you have to do is make an investment in them, and guys, it means the world. Next thing, you need to add value to them. Write that down. Look for moments, and in those moments, write this down, add value, add value. So again, it's not an argument. Why? Because you don't have anything to prove. God does not need your defense. He's God. Okay, there's people that have a ministry of that. They're apologists. It's a wonderful thing. 
probably not you. Probably who you are is somebody who knows Jesus and can come and bring his love into a situation. So you need to look for an opportunity to add value. Now, in my circles uh, where I run with different pastors, we've studied something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Maybe you've studied that if you took any psychology classes, but uh, it's pretty profound. He was a secular guy, but I think he was inching on some things that are very profound, and it's a whole progression. I will spare you all of it, but I'm going to lump it into three groups. The first group are, are the most basic needs every person would have. I would call them just psychological needs. These are biological, psychological, basic things. And so when you're thinking about reaching people for Jesus, you, know, you don't need to give them Jesus if they don't have a place to stay. If they don't have a place to stay, we need to find them a mattress first, a place to sleep before we start giving them the gospel. You hear what I'm saying, everybody? Uh, the next grouping of, of Maslow's needs is the love and affection needs. Maybe you want to jot that one down. Love and affection. Everybody has a need in, in, in one way or another for love, affection, to be known to feel important, to be acknowledged, uh, be praised, feel appreciated in, in some level. And the operative word here is it, it's relational. And so the first one is biological. The second one is this relational need. But Maslow's theory, it didn't just stop there. And I think he's right. It didn't just stop at these needs. He actually had another level of needs. And I would call these, jet the sound, it would be fulfillment needs. Now, here's the amazing thing about these fulfillment needs. There's no money in the world that can buy it. There's no amount of wealth. There's no amount of vacations. There's no amount of sex. There's no amount of stuff. There's no amount of external things, per se, that will fulfill these fulfillment needs. They're greater than all of that. And, and the fulfillment, he didn't say this, but I see it so clearly. It comes from God. See, God is the one that put purpose in you, and he's the only one who can partner with you to draw that purpose out and see it fulfilled in your life, which will be fulfilling in the deepest sense, everybody. He's the only one that can meet that need. You see what I'm saying? And so that fulfillment need is huge. When I was talking to the lady at Sam's Club, you know, uh, I've had to work on this myself. And so to open my eyes and to see her and to talk to her, when I got done with all of that stuff, you know, I felt very fulfilled. It's not about that. It's not about you feeling, well, I'm a good Christian, you know, put, put a sticker on my, it's, you know, that's weird. But here's what it is. It is fulfilling when you're fulfilling your calling. And then here's what I know, because I know the nature of people. It was fulfilling for her, whether she was a believer or not. It was fulfilling in the deepest sense to have somebody who cared to stop. That's a human need. So what happens? It's transcendent. And I don't mean that in a weird way. I mean that it transcends this lifetime. It goes beyond this lifetime, the impact that I made in that moment and, and what she received in that moment, and you can do the same thing. The deposits that you put in the people that are around you, the investment that you make, what well, you're living and sucking air in this lifetime, it makes a difference. Well, somebody asked, well, Pastor Joe, did you lead her to the Lord? No, I didn't. I want people to accept Jesus and get saved. I, I, I desire it so much, but I'm wise in the way that I approach it. And sometimes I know you don't always want to lead when somebody's bawling their eyes out and be like, well, have you heard the good news? He is risen. You know, I mean, it's fairly disingenuous, Yeah. And so I live off the Alpine Bill Corridor. I work here. I'm going to be over at Sam's Club again. I'm going to see her again. And here's what I've realized. Let me read it for you out of 1 Corinthians. The Bible says, Paul says that my work was to plant. So I just planted a seed. And then Apollos, he watered the seed. And here's what we all realize. 
It was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. I have lost the desperation to lead someone to the Lord in lieu of having urgency to talk to people about God and his goodness. There is a difference. And so for her, if she's not a Christian, I'm going to get her. <laughs> she could be sitting front row at the new chapel, everybody. I know she lives close if she works at the Sam's Club. And so I'm going to get her, but I'm not desperate. I can plant the seed. Alternatively, God is big. He could bring another Christian who has their eyes open along her path, and he or she could be watering that seed, and they could end up going to another church. Praise the Lord. But what I need to do is my part to make a difference. Can I hear an amen, church? That's point number one. Point number two, write this down. We want to be on mission. We want to be people who want to make an eternal difference. Number two, we need to refine our approach. I've been talking around it. I want to talk to this. You need to refine your approach a little bit. My grandma would say, Joe Bevilacqua, you better mind your manners. And really, if we're going to win this world to Jesus and do this Christianity thing well, we're going to have to be people that really think about our approach when we're talking to the world. Huge deal. Uh, let me read for you the words of Jesus out of Matthew 5. I'm going to start with the message, and then I'll jump over to the NIV, the nearly inspired version. But uh, let me read out of the message first. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. So, so the, the approach, the way that you're doing this thing is you're trying to give them the best impression of the goodness of God that you've experienced. And, and out of the NIV, chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So the way that you do it, your ways will be the determining factor. The Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in other words, the way that you present this, if you're going to be a prude about everything, if you're going to act like you got baptized in pickle juice, if you're going to be Mr. Right, Mrs. Right, like I'm right about everything and you're just wrong and let me just prove it to you, you know, you're not going to win a lot of people for Jesus. But if you can think about your approach and be wise with it and let your light shine, that's where you're going to have an impact. Three thoughts on this. First one, write it down. You need to make things better and brighter. Now I'm going to give you some deep, truths. Monday's coming. You ain't going to feel like going to work. You're, you're going to roll out of bed and be like, where am I? That's your first question. Where am I? And you're going to slap your iPhone or your lesser phone, and, and then you're going to go get ready. And if you're a guy, shower, shave, you know, and you're, you're going to get to work, and you can be miserable with everybody else at work, and everybody looks like the Walking Dead's being filmed at your workplace. You can do that, or you can go to Sandy's Donuts and get you some massive rolls and show up and be like, hey, got some donuts, hot donuts. Open it up and be like, hallelujah, eat some up. You know, like just, what are you doing? You're just making things better and being brighter. Well, then what do you do, Pastor Joe? Do you, do you then tell them how Noah fed all of those animals in the yard? No, uh, not, no, don't do that. Um, you'll ruin the sugar buzz that they need at that moment. And, and don't do that. They're going to see you, and they're reading you, we've heard, right? They're looking at how you are. The, your light is shining before me, and they'll see your good, and 
they're going to glorify your Father in heaven. How? They're going to be like, how in the world are you so happy on Mondays? Well, let me just be honest. I'm not. You know, like, I'm exhausted with you, but I think donuts help. And so you don't need to go and give them all the deep theological truths of the Old Testament. You just need to go and give them a Krispy Kreme in Jesus' name. Okay, next thing. Write this down. You need to understand their world. Understand their world. A lot of Christians, we just want them to understand our world. What's right? I don't know if I've said that before this message. And we try, to, we try to paint this picture. Well, let me just tell you what's right. And instead, we don't listen. We don't listen. You know, America especially, we become so narrow. Sometimes I wish, I was watching a movie. Kaya made me watch a chick flick. That is sacrifice of marriage, everybody. Watching a chick flick back from like 2006. And you're watching this. And you're like, look it. They're at a restaurant and people are talking. And you, you forget what happened in 2007 when that iPhone came out and everybody's nose when it's a weird world, right? And, and so as I'm, as I'm watching that, it's refreshing in some ways, but here's what I'm trying to say is that when we start considering other people and talking to them, the social media effect has affected our brain and we have to realize that because we are surrounded in a microcosm of everybody that thinks about what we think. They like what we think, and they, they agree with us politically and, and spiritually. And if they don't, and they won't listen to reason, the first or second Facebook war that you wage against them, just unfollow them. Be like, they're going to hell, you know, and you just write them off. And that's, that's crazy. And so you've got to open your eyes and say, God, I want, to, I want to understand people's world. Help me to listen. And so here's what you might lead with. Um, I wasn't raised the way that you were raised. And I don't have the same opinions that you have. And I might not change my mind, but help me to understand how you arrived at where you're at. Tell me what it's like to be you. Why do you think these things? You think, well, Pastor Joe, we're not going to solve any problems. I'm telling you something. If God can get their heart, everything else can change in a minute. And so you're, you're approaching it from here. And you're trying to make a logical appeal. And there are people that, that deserve a, a solid answer, Right? But for most of us, what we have to do is make an appeal here and listen and get away all those things that are keeping them away from even hearing a normal appeal or a logical appeal or emotional appeal. They can't even hear it because we're a turnoff to them. We need to listen to them. You've heard, if you've been around New Chapel for any amount of time, my story about that person that told me, well, I just don't like Christians. And I told him, well, neither do I. I had to plan a church just to get rid of all the church people and start my own thing. And, and it was an end in that person's life. And you know what I could have said? I've thought about this. They said, well, I just don't like Christians. I could have said, well, then you're going to burn in the lake of fire. You know, I mean, I could have just. <sighs> and that might have been true. But it wouldn't have been helpful. And so you see in this process, there's a lot of things that are going to be true that you could tell them. But not everything's going to be effective. It's not going to be helpful in that moment. And it's much of the reason why we teach the Bible the way we do at New Chapel is because your pastor at one point in his life, in my teenage years, had huge doubts about God. I would have said I'm an agnostic, but to myself. I have this Italian loyalty thing where like, it's kind of like if you have an ugly sister, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, like, I can pick on my ugly sister, but if you say anything about my ugly sister, I'm going to go to fight to the death. You don't get to say any of that stuff. That's my family. She's beautiful, you know. Same type of thing. I had my own doubts about Christianity. And I wouldn't let anybody do it. And I'd get to a small war with you. But I would say I was agnostic. I would say I had doubts. And so when somebody took the time to listen to my doubts 
and my fears, and then they just relationally answered some of those questions, that's what made the difference, and that's why we teach the way we do at New Chapel. Because many of you came into this place not expecting to be changed, and God done came up behind you, and as Johnny Cash said, the great prophet Cash, God's going to cut you down. And he got you. How did he do it? How did he do it? He did it because he's patient with somebody else. And they listened to you, and they held your hand, and they brought you in, and you got upset one Sunday with me, and they calmed you down so you didn't come punch me in the altars. I mean, like, it was a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but the idea, guys, is that we need to be people that, that take that step and listen. Next thing, i, I got to move on. We need to show them unconditional love. Unconditional love. Now, the Greek word for unconditional would be unconditional, without condition, very profound. You're welcome for being your pastor. It's, it's how we want others to love us, and it's how Jesus loves us. Makes me think of that uh, story of the Bible about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Where am I Baptist at? You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little... Come on, Western Michigan, we all know it, don't we? You remember in the story, he was a thief. Jesus didn't lead with Zacchaeus, you're a thief, and you're going to burn in hell forever. No. He said, Zacchaeus, you want to go to lunch? Jesus led with P.F. Changs. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus led with Russes. Jesus led with, hey, you want to go get something to eat? Now, interesting account. If you want extra homework, you can read it. It's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. It's 10 verses. We don't know what was said at that lunch. We don't know. But when they got out of that lunch, Zacchaeus shows up, and he's like, hey, uh, everybody, you need to forgive me for what I've done. He gives all of his possessions to the poor, and he says, if I've robbed any of you, I'll pay you back four times what I owe you. See, all of the, all of the straightening out, all of the he, need, he better get right, you know, all of that happens when the heart gets right. They want it. They want to do it. They're actually, they'll ask questions about it. How do I do this? Because God's more interested in the inward man, not on the outward appearance, not on the outward sin. He wants to get that ironed out. He wants you to live a fruitful life on earth. But listen, it's here. You lead with lunch. Write that down. I don't know. Like, lead with lunch. And, and the closer that I get with God, I will tell you, it's more difficult because I get further away from sin. I get further away from how I used to be, which I was awful. I was the worst. There's people in the room that could tell stories about me that I'd prefer they wouldn't. <laughs> but <laughs> all things being equal, I want to get away from all of that. And so what do I do? I, I end up not hanging out with the world like I used to. And I have to, every once in a while, there's an ebb and flow of this in my Christian life. I have to be like, I'm hanging out with sinners. I'm hanging out with normal people. I'm going to talk with them because it matters. I'm going to lead with lunch because then God can do his thing. 1 Corinthians 9, whatever a person is like, whatever they're like. Let me just qualify that. There's a lot of difficult people, hard to deal with. They don't believe like you. They believe things that you would say are evil. Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he'll let me. Huge deal. Let me tell him about Christ, and then I'm going to let Christ save him. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to take my step. It's not all on you. You're not Jesus. I want to gain relational permission in their life. And then I'm going to let God do his thing. Got to move on. Number three. If you're on a mission, you want to make an eternal difference. Number three, we need to focus on our message. 
Write down the word message and circle it and underline it because, guys, we have the best message, but we need to focus on how we're saying it. Let me read it for you out of 2 Timothy. Don't get involved in foolish or ignorant arguments that only start fights. I love, I love God. He's just like, don't. Let's just stop that. The Lord's servants must not quarrel, but be kind to everyone on Facebook. They must be able... <laughs> that might be your life first. <laughs> they must be able to teach effectively and be patient with difficult people. I love this because in some ways the Bible's affirming the fact that they're a pain in the neck. They, they should gently teach those who oppose the truth, and many do. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they'll believe the truth. It says this in 1 Peter 3, first part of it, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, listen, before you go out there, you got to settle like, like Jesus, it's on you. It's by you. It's for you. I'm in relationship with you. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, check this out, gentleness. If you have that Bible open, circle gentleness and respect. Not forceful, not shoving anything down their throat. That's not what we're called to do. And if we can be patient with the process and allow Jesus to be Jesus and, 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 and us to be us, we'll take more ground than you'd ever expect. Three thoughts about that, and then I'm going to pray for us today. Uh, first thing, letter A here, we need to focus on our message. Write it down. We need to share the hope we have. So we're trying to share something. We need to share the hope that we have. So you're not, again, trying to prove anything. You can just approach it this way. Let me tell you why I chose to be a Christian. Let me tell you what God has done in my life the change that happened in me. And I would tell you, if you look at Joe Bevilacqua when he was 17 and Joe Bevilacqua when he's, call it mid-30s, <laughs> it's night and day. God changed my heart, and so he changed my life. I was an angry and boastful and prideful and insecure young person. And God, with a mighty hand, put my feet on a rock and he gave me, I, I, I'm blown away sometimes that he counted me faithful to even put me into the ministry. But I have a godly wife, and I have four godly kids. God has been good to me. I can't tell you all about the deep truths of the scriptures. I can't answer all the questions you have. I can tell you what happened in my heart. So we can share the hope we have. Uh, second thing, you can share your church. And this is actually a big deal. Because some of you, you kind of choke up when it comes to sharing spiritual things. You need to grow in it. But as you're growing in it, you can also share your seat at church. You might struggle with talking about your testimony, but you can say, hey, Sunday we're going to the new chapel. I can save you a seat at church. And I'm telling you, that can make all the difference in the world because I can do something you might not feel comfortable doing. And that's talk to people about their faith in God. But you have an ability to do something that I can't do, and that is that you know people I don't know. You have friends and family. I don't know them. I'm not, I'm not going to insert myself into your life. you got to be that person that says, hey, they, they love this. They need this just like I needed it. A couple opportunities are coming up. Um, I, as a pastor, ask every single person that calls the New Chapel their home at least once a year to bring somebody with you. That's just my ask. 
And uh, not every time is a good time. There's some times that are not good to bring people to church, like July, you know. But, but there are some good times that are coming up. And uh, in particular, if you're a young person, if you're a student, this Wednesday, we're giving away a free car at Student Culture. That's pretty cool. And so if you have a teenager in your life, get them to Student Culture. Get all their friends. You think, well, I don't want their friends to come. It's going to dilute the, the raffle. No, it ain't. If they bring a friend, for every first-time visitor, they, that visitor gets a ticket just like they got one, but they get an additional ticket for every first-time visitor they bring. We are marketing this huge on social media at Kennewa Hills High School, Comstock Park High School, as many places we can get in. I have uh, little invitations that were in your weekly. Get them out of your hands this week. If you are a parent of a teenager, get your teenagers here. I'm trying to save you all money, okay? And so, so it is going to be an opportunity be able to give them the gospel message. You say, Pastor Joe, why are you spending tither's money on giving a car away? Is that really prudent? This car was donated to this church, and it is an opportunity to, to make an investment in these young people. If we went to Africa, we'd pop a water well. If we went to Pakistan, we'd feed them. And if we want to reach Comstock Park and Kennewa Hills and Sparta High School, and Lord knows they need Jesus in Granville, if we could possibly reach them with a car... I'll get them a car. I'll, I'll buy them a beater <laughs> in Jesus' name. So get your teenager to church this Wednesday. Uh, doors open at 630, services at 7. A second opportunity that's coming up is in two weeks. We're having a new series. You know, Pastor Joe loves nostalgia. The series is called Family Matters. And um, I love it. I This is really is coming off from accidentally on uh, my Apple TV paying $80 and buying the entire eight, nine seasons of Family Matters. And my kids love it. They are singing the theme song, know all the words, and uh, both of my older boys are in love with Laura. And so anyway, they don't know how old that show is, but Family Matters is coming up on the 20th. And what's the idea here? It's an opportunity to invite people who are far from God because they're dealing with family issues. We're facing Thanksgiving again. I put it that way because I've had to face Thanksgivings in my past where you've got cousins that are crazy and family that are nuts and, and, and drama. How do you navigate some of those things? How do you navigate some of the family things in your nuclear home as we go into the Christmas season? We're going to give you tools for that so you don't want to miss that series. It's a great opportunity to invite people to church. And then the third thing, this is a little bit more distant, but it is Christmas Eve. Now, last year, for the first time in a long time, we had Christmas Eve services. And I want to let you know, we are not having services on Sunday the 25th. Why? If I don't want to be here, you're not going to be here. And so we're moving our weekend services, because New Chapel never cancels. We're moving our weekend services from Sunday to Saturday night, Christmas Eve. And for the first time, we're going to have three Christmas Eve services back to back. Yeah, come on, somebody. Who knows? We might have three services all together starting in January. We'll see. But uh, Christmas Eve is going to be great. That's an opportunity to bring people to church. i got to move on. Uh, last point I want to share, and I'm going to talk with this for just another second after that, but what can you share? Write it down. You need to share Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the most important thing that you could share. So you've got your own message, and you can share your church, but really it's, it's all a system to give them the relationship that you have. You say, well, Pastor Joe, my relationship with Jesus isn't perfect. Well, get in line at New Chapel, because my relationship isn't perfect, but I'm in right standing with my God. 
He makes you righteous beyond what you do. And so what you can share is all that he is. I've talked with people over the years, and one of the main things that I'll hear is they'll say, Pastor Joe, I don't know how God could ever save a person like me. The things that I've done, if people could see them, if we could put the things that I've done on this screen, I'd lose the respect of everybody that I know. People would think that I'm the worst. They deal with a lot of guilt in their conscience. I've been asked before, Pastor Joe, could any, could any God save anyone like me? And here's the answer. Hell is not a place necessarily just for bad people. It wasn't created for people at all. So there's actually going to be a lot of people that you might think are kind of bad that go to heaven. Because it's not whether you're good or bad that gets you to heaven or sends you to hell. It's whether or not you think you're so bad that you should pay your own bill. And here's what I know from the Bible is that your bill has been paid. Hell is a place where God doesn't send people. It's not a place where he sends people that, that he's angry with or upset with. Hell is a place that people choose to go because they want to pay their own bill. Conversely, heaven is that place you go and you say, God, I got this big bill. And he says, hey, it's been washed clean. It's been paid in full come on in. There was a thief next to Jesus. He didn't have any opportunity to make anything right in his life. By all accounts, he's still a bad man and probably has been changing for 2,000 years to become more like Jesus. I believe it. But the truth of the matter is, it's just he had a bill and he needed somebody else to pay it. And here's the cool thing about it. Not only does Jesus pay your bill, he washes your conscience clean when he does it. So somehow all the things that you did, you're clean and clear in your heart, but you're clean and clear in your mind. You're like, God, thank you. I don't deserve it, but by the grace of God, I can move on in this life. Can I hear an amen, church? If we're not in the end times, we're in your end times. And that's become clear to me in a very personal way. There was a person who attended our church for years, him and his wife, five beautiful kids. I dedicated some of those kids to the Lord. And it makes even this guy realize how short that life truly is. Uh, when you came in, there was a little ruler on your seat. If you could grab that, uh, it, it would mean the world. Now, <laughs> you're not going to want to measure anything with this, otherwise you're going to build a crooked house, I'm just going to tell you. But that's not what this is, but this is your life. I've done this before. I want to do this again. Our church has, has grown so much that some of you have never seen this. I think it means the world. What I, what I want us to do, this is an all play. I want every single one of us to um, kind of think for a second when you think you're going to die. I get it. We all want to live to 120 plus. I, I got you. But Kai thinks we're going to die notebook style, and I just entertain her with that. Uh, hate that movie. But uh, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to die at 94. That's where I'm going to go. And, and you go ahead and find wherever that is. I want you to fold it once. Okay. You to go over and maybe fold it one more time, real good. I just want you to rip it. Rip it real good. Okay? 94. I expect everybody to be there, by the way. 94. Whatever yours is, I don't know what your number is. Maybe you think older or younger. And, and then here's the next one. I want you to rip it off at whatever age you are. So I said I'm 30 something. I'm going to find that. Where's the 30 something button? Okay, go ahead and fold that, rip it. Okay. I want you to hold uh, the first part of your life for a second. You can do nothing about this. This is in the books. 
it happened the way it happened it played out the way that it played out the past is the past what you have is in your hand and this is fairly sobering because it's pretty short <laughs> the young people in the room you have longing eyes look at your little piece of paper right now some of us older guys in the room you're looking around be like ma'am I'm really short <laughs> but <laughs> holy smokes yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna outlive us all pastor Eric the life you have left what are you going to do about it the Bible says your life is a vapor it's here a minute and that's gone it's a vapor it, it's something that's short and so if we're living in the end times I believe it but if we're not we're living in your end times and your time is short on this earth and we have to realize God I want to make the most out of it I want to spend the rest of my life that I have making a difference, and not just a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of the people around me. I want to go to heaven taking as many people with me as I possibly can. Why? Because church, you are made for more. That God has a purpose for your life, and that is that he wants you. He has a plan for you. And God has this purpose for you to worship and a purpose to have fellowship with him and discipleship, a purpose to, to, to ministry and a purpose that has a mission. God has a plan and it is for you to be in that mission and be fulfilled in the deepest way. God has a plan through it all. And so with the rest of our lives, I say we make Jesus famous with the moments that we have left. You are made mission. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my church. God, I know people are coming in here and they've got pressing issues. They're facing things. For some of them, they hear a message about this and it, it feels like it's on the peripheral, but God, it's actually at the center of what's most important. God, there's other people that as I preach this message, they've delayed maybe for a season or for a long time the step into faith, the step into to serving, to step into being a person that you've called them to be. God, I pray that you minister to their heart today. All that resistance, all the excuses, all the stuff they got to get done first, God, I pray that you peel that away. Help them to see you. It's not stuff they have to do. It's a relationship they need to be in. And God, that they can follow. He's worth following, friend. You can trust him with your life. If you came into this room and you don't know God, friend, the only way to know God is through Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means, yes, heaven when you die, but it means eternal life today. It means avoiding a Christless hell when you die, yes, but it means eternal life today. That you were made for more and the purposes of God can be shown, but it's not to have a list to check off. It's to be in relationship with the God who made you. And friend, that's what you need. God made a way. You don't need to broker a way in between you and God. Jesus did it. God had one son, Jesus, and he was perfect. He died on a cross with your name on it. He paid the price for your sin. Can I put it this way? Your bill has been paid. When you call Jesus Lord, friend, you're saved. And you're in a relationship with him, and that relationship is strong enough to carry you through eternity. With 
heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's you in the room, you want to pray it, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Uh, Church, I want you to pray this with those people who are praying it for the first time uh, as a declaration of your faith and also to give a little support to those people that are coming home. Heads bowed, eyes closed, pray this out loud with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit within me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Come on, somebody. Proud of you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.